HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast. I'm Alexa Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Danielle Brown, aka at Healthy Girl Kitchen, which she is the founder and CEO of. You may know Danielle from her wildly popular vegan recipe videos on social media. Danielle has been fully plant-based for eight years and is now releasing her very first cookbook called Healthy Girl Kitchen. Danielle, I'm so excited to talk to you about all of these things. I've been watching your videos for years and every time I'm like, you know what, I should be eating more plant-based. And uh, now I'm talking to you and I feel like I'm going to be even more inspired to do so after this. So (laughs) happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Of course. So obviously we have much to unpack, but let's start at the beginning as far as like where you grew up, the type of food you grew up eating. What was kind of like your very first childhood memories of food? So to paint the picture, my mom cooked family dinner every single night. We went out on special occasions, but my mom really spent a lot of time in the kitchen. She really prioritized us having family meals. So every night she would say, you know, turn the TV off, everyone come downstairs, like stop your homework. It's time for family dinner. And every single night, the four of us ate a family dinner. And I think that really shaped not only, you know, my childhood, but also it just created this bonding and kind of memory making over food. And it was just a chance to eat, but also spend time with family. And I I love that she did that. She also packed all my lunches. There was an option to get school lunch, but my mom packed my lunch every single day. Pretty Aww. much, I mean, still in high school, she offered to pack my lunch, and <laughs> and so I our home was always filled with all kinds of food and yummy snacks. And I'm Jewish, so um, I love the Jewish holidays. And my mom always yes. made the best the best food for the Jewish holidays, which are some of like my fondest memories. But you know, we ate 
pretty healthy growing up, but a lot of people want to know if I was vegan forever or if I was a lifelong vegetarian, but I definitely grew up eating meat, dairy, and eggs. We were not so big on the red meat as a family, but I I always like to stress, we ate a lot of cheese. I feel like we had cheese on everything. We would dump Parmesan cheese on our pasta. We had so much cheese on taco night. I feel like I would reach my hand into the bag of shredded cheese and stuff my face with it. Oh, yes. So food was a big part of growing up. But I also always say, I mean, other kids were watching Cartoon Network, but I was watching the Food Network growing up. I was obsessed. I woke, oh my God, like Rachel Ray, Jada De Laurentiis, like the OG, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, food stars on Food Network. I would wake up at 6 a.m., run downstairs and just start watching the Food Network. I loved it and I couldn't get enough. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so funny because literally same and I would watch like the OG Iron Chef, the one that was fully in Japanese. And like, it was so good. I would watch it with my dad. And yeah, very, very similar vibes there. So I totally get what you're describing. And where did you, I don't know if you said that, did you tell me where you grew up? Oh, I grew up in Farmington, Michigan. I was born in New Jersey, but soon after we grew up in Michigan and, and yeah, was born and raised there. And now I live in Florida sunny Florida. I had to escape the cold. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually live in Florida now too. Where do you live in Florida? Oh, I'm in Boca. Oh my gosh. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Look at us. Just leading parallel lives. We could have met up in person for this. (laughs) Literally. That's so funny. I had no idea you were in Florida. That's, that's incredible. So yeah, we had the very similar childhood vibe. I'm also, my family's Jewish as well. So Jewish holidays and all that, that was like, well, it was my grandma doing all the cooking. So yeah, we're leading very parallel existences, which I love. (laughs) So were you cooking with your mom in the kitchen ever? Or like, when did you start kind of getting involved yourself? Yes, but I feel like I was more of like an observer. I would just pull up a chair to the kitchen counter and I would watch her cook. She let me help her and I always was doing my own thing. But I feel—I don't know. I feel like she would just make dinner, call us down. But oftentimes I would just sit there and I would do my homework really close to her just so I could like smell what she was making. I could watch what she was cooking. I, oh, I, I really loved to like see what she was up to and always be kind of like peeking over her shoulder at what she was doing. Oh, <laughs> so you were just like lurking in the corner as totally. she was doing her cooking. Totally. Oh gosh, but I was incredible. taking it all in. Yeah. I mean, those are formative years. And I feel like I kind of did the same thing with my mom and grandma. And yeah, it's, you know, people ask like, oh, when did you start cooking? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think I must have helped at some point a little bit if they let me when I was little, but you don't really know what you're doing until you're more of an adult, you know? (laughs) So when did you decide to start making this a career path to kind of pursue a food lifestyle for your career? So I I always, always was interested in health, wellness, food, but I never thought that it would be a career of mine. At some point, I thought I might be a dietitian. If you look back on my school projects in like fourth or fifth grade, and we asked what we wanted to be when we grew up, I probably wrote that I wanted to be like an obstetrician because I love babies or I wanted to be a dietitian. So I've had this long history of really being passionate about helping people with their health. But later on, I had no intention of monetizing a food business, no intention of going into food as my career. Honestly, social media wasn't really a 
big thing. I mean, we had Facebook and Instagram had just kind of started, but I mean, TikTok didn't exist. Short form video wasn't really popular or didn't exist. And so going into college, it's not like I said, I'm going to be a food blogger and I'm going to write a cookbook and I'm going to do all these things. It wasn't really until I made my personal transition to a plant-based diet and I experienced all the health benefits of that. And I really wanted to make it my mission to help other people the way I help myself. Just to give you a little glimpse, like I used to, starting when I was about 17, I had horrible chronic heartburn, really bad digestive issues. When I first started college, I had really, really bad bad fatigue. I was tired all of the time. I would have to take three-hour naps after my college classes. I felt like, I mean, I was gaining the freshman 15, the infamous Yeah, weren't we all? Yeah. Weren't we all? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you know how it is in college. I mean, you have, well, first of all, I went to Michigan State and they're known for their dining halls. They're basically just mall food courts at a college with Mm. unlimited all-you-can-eat everything. And that, of course, was fun. And then you're going out, you're drinking with your friends, you're getting home late, ordering unhealthy food and, you know, eating pizza at two in the morning. And it's just an unhealthy culture. And the focus isn't obviously like wellness and taking care of yourself. And while that was far from it. And and while that was fun for a semester, I really started to feel the effects of eating that way and living that kind of lifestyle. And I knew I wanted to get healthy and I knew I wanted to make a change because I couldn't keep napping for three hours a day. I didn't want to suffer from my heartburn anymore. And so I had stumbled across a plant-based diet in my research. And to be honest, when I found out a plant-based diet meant being vegan, I was like, I I always thought vegans were strange. Yeah. I'm like, how can you, how can you live without, I mean, meat aside, I wasn't like always the biggest meat fan, but fish, dairy, dairy, but dairy, but cheese, but eggs. I didn't understand how someone could eat all of their meals during the day without animal products. And I always thought vegans were just hippies in the forest smoking weed and eating tofu. And I felt like I couldn't really relate to that. And keep in mind, this was eight years ago. So veganism and plant-based eating, plant-based food products were not as mainstream as popular, mainstream and popular as they are now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were like on the cutting edge of it, kind of. Yes, this was this was you know a, a little while ago, and there weren't as many food bloggers or vegan recipes or even vegan cookbooks. Like they really didn't have a ton of resources. But I had heard all of these amazing stories of people going plant based and feeling incredible. And so, with limited resources in a dorm room, I decided to go for it, which meant I had to get creative. I was microwaving sweet potatoes in my dorm. I made the salad bar in the dining halls my best friend. I kept big bowls of like non-perishable fruit in my room. I kept granola bars, peanut butter, literally anything I could. But after four months of doing this and eating 100% plant-based, no animal products, I had lost 20 pounds. I wasn't trying to lose weight. It just happened. Mm -hmm. I had more energy than ever before. I didn't need to nap anymore after class. My skin cleared up. My hormones felt more balanced. I got rid of my chronic heartburn, which I had been suffering from for years. And I really just overall felt energetic, like my best self. And 
I was loving the food I was eating. I didn't feel restricted like I thought I would. I didn't feel unsatisfied. I didn't feel deficient in any way. I think that's also a misconception that like you go vegan and then all of a sudden like you have all of these health problems. It was really quite the opposite. And again, I, I really felt that I had to make it my mission to teach people the secrets to making amazing plant-based meals that taste great because I'm a foodie. I feel like number one thing for people is like they want their food to taste good, especially if they're eating healthy, you know, they don't want to feel like they're giving anything up, but then also teach people the secrets to making plant-based food make you feel great too, because there are so many, I mean, lots of amazing vegan recipes that aren't healthy for you at the same time and vegan products that are, you know, more of like a vegan junk food. So I wanted to teach people both how to feel great um, but also make their food taste good too. Oh my goodness. Well, what a crazy journey. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, I had a similar experience going to a big school with a big dining hall and, you know, the drinking and all that stuff. And I did basically the opposite of you. I just leaned in and I was like, yeah, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> so I definitely commend you for dealing with all that in your dorm room and kind of, you know, figuring out how to lead a healthier plant-based lifestyle while in college at, you know, a big school or did, did your friends think that you were just like insane? Like what was the reception like at that time? You know what? I think it was more of like the older generation that questioned what I was doing. Mm. And I got the questions like, how are you getting protein? Are you eating enough calories? Are you, you know, do you have an eating disorder now? It was, it was really that older generation just because I think that, again, it's it wasn't as common at the time to be vegan, but right. it's a really foreign concept to you know an older generation that it wasn't a question whether you ate meat or not. I mean, even vegetarianism yeah. was like is like a little bit out there for them. So I really That's noticed true. that, like you know, parents, not my parents necessarily, but even like other people's pa- parents, grandparents were like, "Are you okay? Like, did you ask your doctor if this is okay?" <laughs> So that, but yeah. otherwise my friends, to be honest, were super supportive and always, they were curious and had questions, but they, oh, they were constantly supportive of my lifestyle. And I think, I think I really, I had an attitude where I just also didn't care what people thought of me and I just was doing what I wanted anyway. So I think a lot of people maybe hesitate to go vegan or they're nervous or they feel awkward or uncomfortable in front of their friends and family. But if you're confident about it and you understand how to answer people's questions, like when people say, well, how do you get your protein? And I say, well, I eat tofu and lentils and beans and nuts and seeds and tempeh and all of these amazing like vegan meats made from soy protein. And then people are like, oh, okay. So if you have answers for them, then it just kind of shuts people up. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And I feel like, you know, going vegan, going vegan now would get almost no questions because so many people do it and it's so like pervasive and like the social consciousness that we now have but I can totally understand that you doing that eight years ago was like a lot of a shock to people and especially you know I know firsthand that you know in Jewish culture it's very like my grandparents are always like shoving food down my throat like trying to get me to eat you know meat potatoes like you know all that type of stuff that's it's right. a very kind of heavy heavier cuisine. So they were probably like, what, you're not going to eat the brisket? Like, right. It's like, well, what, but they're like, oh, but you'll have gefilte fish, right? Or, but yeah. you'll have this or, oh, but you eat eggs. I'm like, no, I, I don't anymore. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that's an interesting journey and it's a really cool story because 
I, I mean, I've spoken to other vegan folks who, you know, obviously it's a different journey for everybody, but I don't think I've ever heard of anybody like making it work from a college dorm. So kudos to you, honestly, that's, that could not have been easy, but it seems like it all worked out and you came out on the other side and now you've turned it into this, you know, blossoming, amazing career. And it's, it's super cool to hear. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Coming this spring, we're working on something big for opening soon. Opening a restaurant can sometimes take months or even years. So I have this one consulting client that's been three months away from opening for the past year. And I had a calendar reminder show up today, and the reminder was that our goal was to open tomorrow. But this spring, you'll be able to hear it in just a few hours. On March 30th, he had passed away, and then on March 31st, he had come back to life. And then on April 2nd, he had passed away again. And I was like, okay, my regards to the family. I don't even know how to receive this information. So tune in as we follow one of Brooklyn's best and brightest young chefs and restaurateurs on their journey from start to open doors. Alex, you need to put more money in. We're out. We can't pay anybody. He is the brat worst. Oh my God, that guy. It's the build. Subscribe to Opening Soon from Heritage Radio Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you started going, you started eating plant-based eight years ago. And then when did you kind of start thinking like, okay, I want to share these learnings with the internet or where, where did you, where did this start? Where did the Healthy Girl Kitchen journey begin? I actually, when I graduated, went to nutrition school. I wanted okay. to open my own uh, like nutritionist practice and have one-on-one clients where I taught them how to eat plant-based and help them get healthier. That to me was just the most obvious and logical next step for a job. Again, did mm-hmm. not think that I could be a food blogger or I honestly didn't even know what that meant. So right. that's what I did and started getting clients And at the same time, I had clients saying, well, I need breakfast ideas. I need dinner recipes. What should I make for lunch? And so I decided to start my food blog at the time and make a website where I could put all of my recipes and all of my ideas so that my 
nutrition clients had this one-stop destination where they could go and find recipes. So I wasn't sitting there texting all of them recipes all day long. And at the same time, I started a Facebook page and I started a, well, I started posting on Instagram, kind of the same recipes that were going up on the blog. Again, no intention of monetizing this or making a business. I just wanted to provide value to potential clients or people who were already my clients. And Within a few months of doing that, I noticed that I was receiving tremendous amount of traffic to my blog. And this was from, you know, I was posting on Facebook, I'm posting on Instagram, and I was kind of driving traffic to my blog and my recipes were becoming really popular within the vegan community. And that really opened my eyes to being able to make money from that and that being a career option because obviously with... uh, traffic to the blog and you know a lot of people coming to my Instagram and coming to my Facebook page this allowed me to have enough website traffic to then partner with an ad company so that I could then make ad revenue from my website and that that again really opened my eyes to me being able to possibly make that a career I've also always been super creative. I mean, aside from loving cooking, like I've always, like growing up, I loved like my reading and my writing classes and my art Mm. classes. And like in high school, I did like a video production and photography class. And we're literally the same person. Really? (laughs) Same. Like I could never, I could not do math or anything of that vein at all. But the creative side, sure. Yes. (laughs) Sure. Yes. All, like loved my creative classes and anything that wasn't, I never liked anything that was just like, it is the way it is. And that's how math was. <laughs> I liked things that were a little bit more open-ended. Yes. And so uh, along with falling in love with like that creative piece of it, I started getting brands reaching out on Instagram. And I mean, at the time it was brands being like, Hey, like we'll pay you $20. And I'm like, $20. That's so crazy. I'm, I'm going to make this recipe anyway. That'll cover the cost of my ingredients. Right. And so long story short, in 2020, I decided to, you know, I was making enough money where I could stop taking one-on-one health coaching clients and I could start my business full-time as a food blogger. That's when I came up with the name Healthy Girl Kitchen. That's when I made a TikTok account that blew up pretty quickly. That's when I started posting those short form videos on Reels because Reels had just started at the beginning of the pandemic and my account just kind of rapidly grew. And again, the same time TikTok and Instagram accounts were growing really fast. Mm -hmm. And that, that was really like the start of Healthy Girl Kitchen. And it's just kind of taken off from there. And now we're here and I share recipes, specifically healthy, easy, approachable plant-based recipes with 8 million people every day. Well, look at that. And like, like congratulations on all of it. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like all the blocks kind of built upon each other, you know, like since you had that, you know, background and understanding of, the nutrition behind plant-based eating and like the ease of how to do it because you did it yourself, you know, in a dorm room and stuff. I feel like without those building blocks, you, the success that you experienced wouldn't have been as possible. So it seemed like they all kind of stacked upon each other to create this like amazing platform for you to share with the public, like, Hey, this is how I did it. Like, you know, I have these credentials, you know, I've, I've done it. And so I think that 
certainly helps. And especially with the times, you know, like I was mentioning that social consciousness around veganism being how it is. So many people are interested and curious in the fact that you can reach new people who were maybe like me, who was like, hey, I've thought about it a couple times, but haven't really bit the bullet. But like this salad she made looks so good. Like, let's try that. And then it just kind of, I mean, I'm sure that's the thing that probably makes you the happiest is if you get someone to commit to trying that or, you know, considering changing their lifestyle for that reason, or even just partially. And I assume that's, you know, quite rewarding for you to be able to do that. So congratulations on that. And that's just um, really, really cool to see. And when did the cookbook come into play? I know that that's, you know, your child right now, (laughs) how incredibly involved that can be. So what was kind of the deal with that, the cookbook aspect of things? Yeah. So I, I always had a list of my everyday tasks that I have to do, but then I also always kept a list of my like five-year plan, my biggest goals, my biggest dreams. And one of them was to have a best-selling plant-based cookbook. And those smaller tasks that I had on my to-do list every day would lead me to that point, or that was the, right. you know that that was the mm-hmm. intention, and so I I really wanted to wait for the right time to have a, a sizable enough audience. I wanted to make sure I partnered with the right publisher. I really wanted to feel aligned in that way, and I, I remember my food blogger friend, uh, one of my good friends, Carly. Her uh, Instagram is at Plant You. She, um, we were talking one day and she's like, has anyone reached out? Like have publishers reached out to you at all? I'm like, no, like I really haven't heard from any yet. She's like, I promise you will. It's coming. It's coming. You're going to start hearing from them soon. She's like, you have, you know, a couple million followers now, any day you're going to hear from publishers. And, and literally it was like, when she said that a week later, I start getting these emails from publishers and started having those conversations. And then maybe like a month after I had that conversation with her, I get an email from uh, Penguin Random House and I get an email from my editor for the book, Alex Rigby. And he's like, hey, I, I love your social media. I love your videos and I love what you've created. And we are really interested in partnering with you on a Healthy Girl Kitchen cookbook. And I'll never forget that email. And I remind him oh. about it all the time. But I literally that like getting that email was like everything that I had worked for up until that point was worth it. And I was just so excited. I'm like, this, like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. We did it. I'm like, I would be so honored to work with the number one publisher in the world. And and so that that was that. And uh, you know, took the cookbook deal with them. And I mean, they, I just have to say like, they were amazing to work with. They completely were aligned with like my goals and my vision because I wanted everything to be like very on brand with Healthy Girl Kitchen in terms of like the aesthetic and the colors and the recipes themselves. Like I wanted it to be so true to me. And a lot of food bloggers at this point, they... Um, you know, this is up to them, but they hire out their photography. They hire out, you know, a recipe developer to make all the recipes and, you know, their name is just kind of on the book. And I told them, I'm like, look, I want to be involved in everything. I want to do my own photography. I want to be the one to develop every single recipe. I, I want this whole book to be from me, written by me, created by me so that I can put on paper the secrets to making 
the most amazing plant-based meals and all of these staple recipes and meal ideas that I've used over the years to have a successful plant-based diet and feel so great and feel my healthiest. I'm like, I, I want this to be translated to paper and in a cookbook, like exactly how I want it to be. And they were so amazing to work with and like brought my vision to life. And and yeah, that's kind of how the cookbook came about. And now, now it's coming out May 16th, but, um, it is available for pre-order right now. Oh my gosh. Well, like, I feel like your friend totally manifested that for you and I need someone to do that for me now. Well, not that I want to write a cookbook, but just whatever my goals are, I need someone to just like call me and be like, Hey, you need to do this. And then have it magically happen. (laughs) I know. I know. We kind of put it out into the universe and then there was that email. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And I know a lot of work goes into creating a cookbook. So I mean, how does it feel? I mean, I assume you've held a physical copy in your hand. What was that moment like for you? so surreal. I still, I keep it on a cookbook stand on my counter and I look at it literally a (laughs) hundred times a day. I flip through it. I'm like, wow. I'm like, this photography is amazing. Not to toot my own horn, but everything looks so good. Yeah. And I'll like, you know, I'll be like, oh, like I need, what should we have for dinner? I'm like, oh, one sec. I'll just go on over to my cookbook and my cookbook find a recipe. Yeah. And it's so funny because I'll, I'll sit there and I'll actually like of course I make the recipes all the time, but there's over a hundred recipes, which, you know, there are some I haven't made in like a couple months mm-hmm. and I'll make them. And I'm like, wow, this is really like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, like I knocked this one out of the park if I say so myself. Right. But no, when I <laughs> held it for the first time, I'm like, this is so crazy. Just seeing my name on the cover, seeing my face on the cover of a book at first mm-hmm. had a little bit of like imposter syndrome, putting my face on the cover oh, of, of, of a cookbook. I'm like, no one knows who I am. This is like very overly confident to put myself on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I just remember everyone telling me like, no, Danielle, like you have millions of followers who know your face. Like it, it's really, it's hard to comprehend, but but yeah, I'm 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 very proud and I really I can't wait for people to get it because it's yes. so approachable and the meals in there I tell everyone they're realistic. I think a lot of vegan recipes they call for very obscure ingredients. Yes, oh my god. Ingredients that aren't accessible to everyone, some like strange herb that you'd have to like forage in the forest for and mm-hmm. And, and people ask me, they're like, so what grocery store do I have to shop at when I get your book? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like you have to go to Whole Foods or like if I'm in LA, like I have to go to Erewhon or like somewhere fancy. And I'm like, you can literally go to any grocery store and you'll be able to find the ingredients that are in this book. It's everything from rice, beans, pasta, frozen fruit, veggies, like literally ingredients you can find at your everyday normal grocery store. They're just basic, simple ingredients. And I really, really wanted to focus on that because I think there's this misconception that eating vegan is super expensive and it doesn't have to be at all. Right. Honestly, it's a lot cheaper than eating Fine. meat. Mm-hmm. It is. A can of chickpeas is 99 cents. If you're eating that for protein, that's really a cheap source of protein. If you're trying to buy a high quality, like grass-fed organic meat or even just like regular chicken, you're not paying 99 cents for it. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's absolutely accurate, but I kind of like 
appreciate that you took that into consideration, just kind of like the obscurity of some vegan in- ingredients. When you see that people are like, yeah, hemp protein, this, or, you know, vegan bone broth, that just like weird stuff that you wouldn't necessarily find. So it's almost very refreshing to hear that it's everything in your book is like accessible at a normal grocery store. Cause I've definitely run into that. I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I see this whole vegan recipe, but I don't have like, satan and tempeh and like all this funky stuff so like and so i feel like that's a very nice thing that you did there we're like yay appreciate it (laughs) totally and everything is gluten-free optional which i like to share too because so many people are gluten-free these days so if it's a pasta dish. You can always use a gluten-free pasta. If there's bread, you can use gluten-free bread or a tortilla. Just pick up a gluten-free tortilla. So it's very um, accommodating in that way. And then also one of my favorite parts is every recipe will indicate whether it's leftover friendly. So it'll have an LF on the page for leftover friendly. And that way, you know, if it'll store well in the fridge, freezer, and we'll give specific instructions on, you know, how long it keeps in the fridge, if you can store it in the freezer for how long, like what kind of container because I feel like there are recipes that do not store well in the fridge. And sometimes I'll leave it in there and the next day it's like gross. Or if there was avocado in it or something, it turns brown. Or if it's a salad, the lettuce gets super mushy. So we'll tell you like exactly what salads we'll keep for like up to four days, what pasta dishes you can keep in the fridge. And I think that's just a really, like I hate wasting food. And I think Uh everyone these days is so much more environmentally conscious and people want sustainable options. So I just want to make sure that no one's wasting the meals that they're making. And I, and I think knowing what is actually leftover friendly can be super helpful to people. Well, look at you doing the Lord's work with the leftovers, with the gluten-free, with the vegan, with the I got you. affordable, like you're doing it all. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, is there anything else important to add about the cookbook coming out or your culinary journey or anything that I didn't ask you yet? Well, I would also say for the cookbook, this is like one of the number one questions I get is whether these recipes are already on my blog or my Instagram. And the answer is no, these are all new exclusive to the cookbook recipes. There's a couple, or I should say like 90%, 95% of them are new and exclusive to the cookbook. There's a couple of like my favorite classic all-time healthy girl kitchen recipes that are in there. Like I have a chickpea brownie recipe that has been my favorite, favorite brownie recipe and go-to recipe for years. I make it at least once a week. That's on my blog, but I'm like, that has to live somewhere in print and be in the cookbook. Mm -hmm. And if people have seen it before on Instagram, the one that's in the book is going to be an elevated version. So we made it better. There's a new dressing. There's something new about it that is not online already. So I don't want people to feel like they're, you know, getting a book where they could already get the recipe somewhere. Like everything in the book is exclusive and new to the book. Every single page and every single recipe has a corresponding picture. I'm very visual. I like when mm-hmm. cookbooks have pictures in them. I don't know about you, but I think oh, it's, of course. I would never make a recipe in a book that didn't have a picture because how are you supposed to know one, what it's, what supposed, it, to look like. What it's oh. supposed to look like when you're cooking it? You're like, okay, I guess I'm just going to guess how this is supposed to turn out. But also mm-hmm. I think we eat with our eyes first and people see a recipe, see the picture or video and are like, oh, that looks delicious. I have to make that. So hundred percent. if you're a visual person like me, you will appreciate that every single recipe does have a picture. And again, everything's plant-based. I have to say like 
90% of my audience is not fully vegan or plant-based. Most people are just looking to eat healthy. Thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like they want to learn how to have a meatless Monday or they want to learn how to make tofu or they just want yummy salad recipes. And so I always say my recipes are just like they're default plant-based because that's how I cook, but they're really just healthy, nourishing, good for you recipes that also taste amazing. Again, I'm a foodie. I live to eat (laughs) and eating is my favorite hobby. So me too. Me too. Whenever anybody asks, like, you know, I work in food full time, they're like, so what are your hobbies? And I'm like, uh, eating, going out, going out (laughs) to eat instead of cooking at home. Like, I don't know. Like I literally, that's it. That's it. So yeah, definitely a girl after my heart. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for telling me all about this. Like you've definitely got me Jones and for some delicious, easy, accessible plant-based recipes that I don't have to go to a funky grocery store for. So appreciate you for that. And yeah, I'm just so excited for, for you and your career success and the book. And I just, I'm sure it's absolutely beautiful and just, yeah, congratulations on everything. And it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook, author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.